so I reiterate here, the bill is dead. The story of this great city is about the years before this night. We are free! Hey everybody, welcome to Ho Ho Hong Kong. I am your host Vivek Mabubani. And of course with the other co-host who is... The other, Mohammed. That is right, the other Mohammed. If you find the Mohammed, find the other one. That's him. Yes. So if people actually, if people need to find out where you are, so uh, where, where do they find you? I on? am, I just moved to Saimpon, so that's where I am. You just <laughs> okay, you yeah. see me walking my dog <laughs> yeah. around. Yeah. I just, since I moved to Saimpon, I'm basically working from home all the time because yeah. it's so, so lovely. Like in TST, I just used to go to the office. Chin Wan was better than TST. Yeah. So, but Simon Point is like amazing. Yeah. So I'm just working from home. So you just see me in a coffee shop with my dog the whole time. Yeah. That's and the, where I am. And the escalator. So the slopes aren't a problem over there, right? Nah. Yeah. yeah that's the best part of Simon Point. That's why mid-level Simon Point, you got the escalator, you're just like lazy. <laughs> it's very lazy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you can also find me online at the other Muhammad or Instagram. That's my main uh, social media presence. How about you? Me, uh, at Funny Vivek, sometimes letter M. You should know the drill by now. If you can't find me online, then you are using the wrong search engine <laughs> yeah oh yeah if you go on bing.com and type vivek mabubani it's like no results yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> uh one of my buddies in uh, shanghai chris baker used to uh, joke about bing as it's like the google of the east yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just like how useless it is yeah. it's like i got lost and luckily i had access to bing maps yeah so i was still lost yeah <laughs> <laughs> you remain the same way that yeah. doesn't help at all <laughs> yeah uh today we have a very exciting guest uh, one of hong kong i would say celebrities uh, wearer of many hats, yes, and not just because he's bald, but he has a <laughs> lot of jobs. Uh, ben Quinlan, how's it, how are you doing, buddy? Very good. Nice to be on the show, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, uh, Ben, uh, you are a Hong Kong success story, I would say. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's all relative. I think I've done okay within the things that I'm pursuing and the industries that I'm um, focusing on. So it, it's been fun, but I think the many hats aspect has probably earmarked me a little bit differently from the standard corporate that you see in the city. Yeah. So I, I, hopefully a bit of a, a I mean, among yeah. the comedians, yes. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm not talking about your comedy. I'm talking yeah. about how well you have done in life right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> against all and, of us. And the problem is that you're doing well in life and you're doing comedy and you're kind of stretching yourself out a lot, yet you're funny in comedy. So everyone's like, okay, comedians, we need to step the game I up. know, I know. We have no excuse. This guy's I doing 20 things. I see those freaking things. open micers coming in every week doing the same shit. Yeah. And they have like no job or whatever. <laughs> and then this guy who just came from a meeting with, I don't know, Donald Trump or something. Yeah. And he just comes in and kills it. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. What, <laughs> is this, what is, what is this, this world is unfair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then again, he's bald. So, you yeah. Know. I guess it bounces out. To, yeah. to be honest, I actually think they're highly complimentary things, right? Like when I, when I leave a boardroom and I go into the comedy stage, like handling a room in a meeting at a board is very much like comedy. It's very much read, read the room, get yeah. people on side, know what makes them tick, pivot when you need, uh, make them laugh as well. I so, can imagine yeah. like Ben in the boardroom going, hey, what, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? So are you guys in a relationship? Yeah. <laughs> are you related to this company? Oh, what's the deal? Whoa, they didn't say the same answer. <laughs> exactly. Someone doesn't want to invest the amount you ask for, like heckler, heckler, get this guy out. <laughs> I think that could work. And then afterwards, like, oops, sorry, wrong hat, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, good way, good way to build relationships, sometimes bad way to win business. Yeah. But uh, I remember one time I was in Singapore and I was there for a conference talking about a regulation called Mifid 2. So I got up for a show at Comedy Masala and started to give my perspectives on Mifid 2. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, sorry, wrong, 
strong audience. Did you try to reach out for that PowerPoint remote as well? Muscle memory. Slide three. Jokes are funny with visuals. Yeah, exactly. The muscle memory. You're like, why am I clicking? What am I doing? Did you have any jokes tanked during like presentations or meetings? Oh, for sure. It happens all the time because I think in a corporate setting, people kind of sit there and go, am I supposed to? I did a show actually a night before last for a a, a corporate crew and they hired the top floor of the China Club, the library. And, you know, I'm sitting there in a library with 20 (laughs) 20 banking executives. Oh, China Club Hong Kong, right? Yeah. Oh, have you been to that? I I have done a private gig as well, like there a couple of months ago, but it wasn't at the same floor. It was at the restaurant. Mm. And Uh, it was really nice. I was freaked out because, you know, you you belong in this world. I don't. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I can see like he walks in, he's got the top hat. Yeah, they also pretty much all know him already. He's like, oh, here you go again. Hey, Benny boy. (laughs) (laughs) But I felt... so out of place when I performed there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's totally different from being on a stage in comedy. If you ask me, would I prefer to be at a corporate show or be at a comedy club? Comedy club, oh, any for day. sure. There's no, yeah. there's no comparison. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the 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 only moment I like doing comedy more at a corporate gig is when I finish and I'm like, check please. Oh, yeah. where's my check, please? And oh, I'm like, yeah, okay, but this, yeah, for those zeros, I'll yeah. do it. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Yeah, well, that a, part is really fun. One, yeah, one of the jokes you do in comedy uh, at the corporate gig is like, as a comedian. It depends, but sometimes comics charge a thousand dollars a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then I just don't say anything for yeah. a minute. Yeah, like, hey. <laughs> I look at my watch and I go thousand dollars. That's great. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, you're like read the fine print. Silence (laughs) is part of the show. (laughs) Uh, So I would actually start with the pretty much your biggest role at the moment. You're the head of the fintech association in Hong Kong. Uh, Yes, I'm the the chairman. chairman. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how, how do people get to that? How do I apply? How do you apply? Yeah. Well, I mean, the FinTech Association is a community-run organization that represents all the FinTechs and big banks here that are interested in digital transformation. As we all know, after COVID, mm-hmm. uh, people are literally forced to go digital, including every business. Financial right. services, no exception. So the organization started 2017. It's grown to about 1,700 members now. Wow. I've been on the board for about three and a half years, and then I took over the chair role in July of last year. Do you get elected or is that already not a thing <laughs> no, here? It was an election. So, <laughs> so you had to get elected by the community to get, to get on the board and then the board elects who they want as the, the chairman. So mm. the last chairman uh, stepped down. We have two-year terms just mm. to ensure you know a change of blood and new fresh ideas. Again, something yeah. on its way out very soon. <laughs> the, <laughs> concept. <laughs> the concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, it's, it's been, it's like a, I see it like a service job. Right? Yeah. You, you do something good for the community. You advocate on behalf of what they need to the government. You try and shape policy. Uh, you try and deliver the things where they need to connect with investors, each other, find new business. Mm. And because it's such a new ecosystem, uh, people do appreciate being part of that community. It's all about networking in Hong Kong, right? Mm. Yeah, true. I mean, it's very true. Hong Kong is all about like who knows who mm. and who yeah. knows you kind of a deal. Mm. How long was it before someone you joined that group in like the fintech, fintech uh, group over there and made like a fin related joke like? Hey, hey, yeah, we can have shark's fin tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, I was actually asked to <laughs> That's do. That's a terrible joke. Yeah, oh my god! I was listening. Yeah. I can imagine. Like, hey, hey, are we going to Finland? <laughs> <laughs> I think those jokes. You are you only you are coming up with them. Because <laughs> 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 like jokes that bad. <laughs> well, well, I actually was asked during Hong Kong FinTech Week. It's a big, big event to do a, a comedy show by the guy who was organizing it. Yeah. And it wasn't the best show. Yeah. Like, uh, people were while just you're chairman. Yeah, because I was trying. What? No, not while I was oh, chairman. Okay. 
thing. And, yeah, and I'm surprised after that that they were like, oh, yeah, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, let's vote for him. Yeah. <laughs> let's put him back on the stage again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, trying to do fintech jokes, uh, you know, you, you, have to, yeah. you have to kind of extrapolate that thinking quite wide. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was good fun. It was I'm good thinking, yeah, what is a really, really, really dry field that you make, like mining or something? Yeah. Like, imagine the miners' associations, like, yeah, go up and make jokes about our jobs. Like, what am I yeah. supposed to talk yeah. about now? Yeah, someone who's eating those golden uh, chocolate coins is kind of Bitcoin. They're kind of biting <laughs> the coin. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Hey. What is wrong with you today? <laughs> no, I'm just like, because I could just... Coin. <laughs> He Bitcoin. That's what he did. Get it? Yeah. It's like, is, it, is this on? <laughs> like the reason I say that is because a lot of times when you join these kinds of groups and they, they know that you're labeled as a comedian, mm. don't people have this automatic assumption like, oh, okay, look at this guy. He's going to be the funny guy in the group. And they automatically, every time the meeting's boring or like they don't know what to do for the event, they're like, oh, we need some entertainment. Ben? Yeah, partially. But I mean, you know, the, my, my job there isn't to make people laugh all the time. It's yeah. to hopefully steer the organization in a way that people go, okay, you're adding value and not turning this into a joke. Yeah. Um, but, but the ability to make people laugh in a, you know, a tense setting or a corporate setting is, is very important, right? Yeah. It, it just diffuses a hell of a lot of tension. Yeah. Um, and it builds really good relationships. I, I find it a fantastic skill to use in the corporate environment. Yeah. Uh, here's a question. What is the talk in this word about Nicole Kidman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Give us some insights from the from the world of people who actually control everything. Well, you know, celebrities they don't get COVID. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a known fact. Oh, uh, right. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking my mask off right now. I don't need that. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of unhappy campers here, and you know, it actually happened before that with the financial services industry. They were trying to make ex exemptions right. for senior executives. I read. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. you can come in, do a meeting, yeah. get out, or whatever. Look, shaping policy around that, in my view, is not very smart because mm. it creates exceptionalism in times where that's the last thing you need mm. um, and you know you can always see a contrarian arguments to it but you know if, if you're going to fight a pandemic in a certain way then you need to do it in a certain way well right? I mean I have one suggestion if they want to have that kind of regulation where like let's say some guy can come down for a meeting and not go into under quarantine is that every time someone does that they got to give the whole of Hong Kong's population five thousand dollars each and then boom, we were like, uh, I want all of them coming in for meetings. <laughs> That's a pretty important meeting if they're prepared <laughs> to pay that. <laughs> well, 5,000 by 7.5 million, how much is that? Yeah, that's... Uh, oh, that's like 35 that's, that's, million? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of money. It's yeah. a lot of money, yeah. okay. $37.5 million. I, I actually, I think maybe we can make exceptions if you have above 100 million followers on Instagram. Uh, like we just, like it's popularity content. It's kind of like how Trump got elected, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. And yeah. also you have, if we give you an exception, you have to tag us on your stories so, and say like Hong Kong is amazing. You so know? what you're trying to say is you want the Kardashians to come over. That's Correct. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's only a few people like Cristiano Ronaldo. Don't give him quarantine. Come on. Like, what are yeah, you doing? I mean, yeah, why, why would you? Yeah, why would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's going to kick a ball inside of, in the mini So do you think uh, there, uh, there is a talk, people are upset that she got the exception and the people who were uh, boards of uh, banks and stuff like that didn't? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the bottom line is anything that has to do with a political, and this, this is my main gripe with politics right mm. now, is I believe I'm a, a rational middle ground person. Mm. I'll always try and listen to both sides of the argument. And, you know, the old traditional style of politics is what's the compromise? Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's no such thing anymore. It doesn't yeah. work. That's a very unpopular space to be. So mm. you need to be left, right, uh, yellow, blue, whatever. Um, yeah. If you operate in the middle ground, you do not exist as a person. Yeah, right? true, true. Mm. That always happens because people look at you they're like, oh, you're just lazy. You don't want to pick a side. Mm. You just want to pretend to be friends with everyone, but you actually just want to be the guy who's like, I don't want to do anything. Can I just sit over here? And just <laughs> I mean, the counterpoint to that is that someone like Nuri Vitachi 
claims to be a middle ground person mm. when he is very e- extremely biased and uninformed most of the time. Right, right. But he's like, oh, I represent the middle ground people who are like, I was like, no, you're not. Yeah, and that's it's why it's very obvious. Like when you're asked about really simple things, like yeah. what do you think on this matter, and you try to divert it about semantics, mm-hmm. it's like it didn't happen this square. It happened in the street be- behind it, so yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't count as on Dagler Street. It only counts if it's on like Wyndham Street. Exactly. It's like, what? It's like yeah, yeah. Well, I think even middle ground people, you can be left leaning, right leaning, you know, mm. you still have a leaning. But yeah. I think, you know, even when I go on social media now, if I watch anything political, the next time I'm on social media, it's just going to go bang. I watch the same thing. So mm. I keep that same mindset. It doesn't mean I have a different perspective and I need to force myself away from it. But you got to ask yourself, why do why are people so different? Why do we always have such different perspectives that we argue with each other? And I can't always be right, right? Mm. Um, because you, you talk in this context then about feelings. You can't argue facts with feelings because you know a lot of people say facts don't care about your feelings but mm. feelings are never wrong because yeah. they're your feelings yeah. right so how can you tell someone their feelings are incorrect um so all of these discussions you i kind of as a consultant right mm. i bring every single bit of fact data and everything to an argument i don't like to sit there with no information to mm. back up what i want to say and my job is not to force people to agree with what i think it's to tell them a position and say well that's my position right mm. Even if you don't like it. I think you have another hat going on. It's called therapist. Mm. It seems like yeah. it's kind of like, you know, I'm not trying to say you're wrong, but I'm just saying this is the point and you could be more correct if you follow yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it, it's very delicate conversations. And, you know, even within my family, right, yeah. I have different perspectives uh, with my siblings and with, uh, with my parents and with my other relatives. Yeah. Um, in my company, I say to my staff, you're all entitled to think whatever you want. Yeah. Just don't get arrested. Yeah. And yeah. Don't, don't bring a bad reputation to the company. Yeah. Right. But your views are your views, and I respect yeah. them. Right? And if, you, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with uh, Ben's family, I highly recommend you go check out one of the shows, and you will definitely get to know at least his mom, if not his dad That's as well. That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is a lot of family talk there that is very entertaining. I feel like, I think I met your mom once, but didn't talk to her much, but I think I know a lot about her just through watching your act. Yeah, I need, my dad's got off pretty lightly, so he's, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot on him, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, just need to, I just need to put it together. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, how do people uh, find you on social media? How do we follow your shows and, and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Facebook at Benjamin Quinlan, Instagram BB Quinlan. If you're interested in reading about fintech or financial services, <laughs> you can go to quinlanandassociates.com. And then the other organization is fthk.org for the Fintech Association. Nice. Uh-huh. So it's actually go to uh, Quinlan As- and Associates for a bit because mm. you obviously own that run that like yep. how do you how do you describe yourself yeah I'm the, the head of i'm the ceo managing partner and i'm the founder and owner of the company yeah. great and <laughs> this wait, is wait, wait hold on i like how you have you have like five roles in your company equipment like and associates it's like, <laughs> because it's all me and you guys are just there <laughs> associated with I, I think the first the first suggested title was Qu- quinlan and helpers <laughs> but it didn't <laughs> quinlan and them <laughs> this actually makes me laugh because when i hired when i hired some new partners in uh, you know professional services firms they're always like names. So you go to yeah. a law firm yeah. and they were saying, well, why do you add uh, Quinlan this, that, that, yeah. that, that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's take one of the biggest US law firms in the world. Scadden, Arps, Slate, Mirga, and Flom. Yeah. And they go, yeah. And I go, when has anyone else said they worked at Flom? Yeah. Right? yeah. Everyone yeah. works at Scadden. Yeah. So, and I said, we can add as many names on there as yeah. possible, but you know, I, yeah. I get it. I get it. I like yeah. Quinlan and Helpers. I think you should go with <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> well, the reason why I called it Quinlan and Associates, guys, to be honest, 
Q&A, right? Yeah. That's, that's, oh, that's, yeah. look at that. Yeah. 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 That was, that was yeah. Q&A with Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because it's a long website name. Yeah. So I was like, Q&A, no, that's that's bought. If you want to buy it, yeah. 100,000 US. I'm like, oh, I hate you people really? that buy up these domains. Oh, yeah. But then there was, I was like, how do I shorten it? Quinlan and ass. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quinn ass. No. So I, I had to stick with and Quinlan. Then and then BBQ. BBQ. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, if you want to see uh, your comedian website is uh, BB Quinlan. BB Quinlan. So if you want to see the last update that I did in 2017, <laughs> feel free to go. And, uh, is that one right after you won the festival? No, that was when I started. Uh, I was a regular performer at Takeout. Uh, Oh, right. So the bio is really like punchy. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can see me all the time. Yeah, you can see hey, me all the time fact. in Elvin Street. If yeah. you if you Google BB King, the, the musician, yeah. and you put BB King comedy, you yeah. still won't find Ben Quinlan's website. <laughs> really? There's no relation. <laughs> I just wanted to let people know. Don't try. I tried it. I'm like, I wonder BB King. Oh yeah. no, nothing. BB <laughs> King. Anyway, so coming back to this thing, so. I want to know uh, how bad was the market and the finance industry that you decided I needed to put comedy in my life? Was there a moment you're like, I need to make some money, man? Let me do some comedy or something. Uh, <laughs> comedy for me was like, I people always ask me why I get into it because you spoke about my mom, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I used to watch Russell Peters and his dad, ah. and I go, oh, my mom is kind of like your dad, but yeah, even, right. even stranger. <laughs> so I thought, well, why don't I share some stories about it? And it turns out it, it worked when I yeah. started to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I was just really burnt out in the corporate workforce. I was working, you know, 90, 100 hours a week. So yeah. yeah, I used to, last job that I was at before I got into comedy, I was minimum two, on average, three, maybe four countries a week. Yeah. Right? Just what? Tr- yeah, working Were you a hours. flight attendant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't yeah. fly that much, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Is strategy consultant, so the clients are always asking you to come to their site and mm. work on site. And it was exhausting. It was like so mentally taxing that I actually broke. And I'm a very resilient person, mm. but that pushed me over the edge mm. that, you know, I just shut down. Yeah. And I think we've all been in situations where we work so hard and y- y- your brain just stops. Everything yeah, yeah, stops. Yeah. So I had to resign. I took seven months off, right? Yeah. And for an eight-height personality, it was very shocking to me. Yeah. Um, like you're I, sitting there like, oh, what, 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 what well, do I yeah. do? Yeah. And even you know, if you have the money, you're still going crazy. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. felt like I'm a failure, right? Yeah. But it actually hit me so hard. First two months out of the work, Workforce, I was super quiet. So mm. if you guys saw me then mm. and you had a drink with me, you'd be like, what's wrong with him? He doesn't yeah. talk. He's, yeah. he's such a shell. Mm. So I just picked myself up, started to travel. You take yourself out of the situation. Mm. It's very yeah. important to do that. And then I go, well, I've always wanted to do comedy. So yeah. I tried out for an open mic and then started from there. One thing led to another. Which yeah. year was that? That was 2013, the end of 2013. Oh, wow. nice. So we started around the same time, actually. I started also October 2013. It's nice. my first open mic. Very good. That's very cool. How did you? Did you burn out from your previous job? Did you have like this? this uh, seven no, I was actually I had a different different situation because I had just moved to Shanghai yeah. and I was just kind of trying to find my footing there. Yeah. So I was just trying to find something to do. Yeah. And then hanging out with a friend one night, I was t- I told him kind of similar actually. I I like stand up comedy, but I never lived in a place that had a live comedy because I lived in. Cairo, Dubai, and Northeast China. Yeah. None of these cities at the time at least had any stand-up scene. Yeah. So I never seen it live even. And he's like, oh, you know, they have the comedy club. That's Kung Fu Comedy that ended up partnering up with Andy uh, with later. 
Uh, but he's like, yeah, go check out the open mic. And I went and I was just at the end, I was just felt brave enough. They always say like, we're looking for new talent. Mm. I'm like, I'll sign up. Mm. And then I signed up for the week after. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, everyone's got their own original Actually, story. I signed up because it was right before the golden week. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to go on holiday after that. If I tank, I was just going to go yeah, and reassess my life yeah. during the week. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget though, just how scary it was. Oh, it's I was so scared. Do you remember the, the, the first time you had a proper show? Because like, I can give you an example. My first time was actually in the comedy uh, competition. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was a Saturday night. We had like in the prelims or finals. And mm -hmm. I was like freaking out the whole day. I just woke up. I'm like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. yeah. like, why, why would I put myself in this situation? Mm. So like the whole day I'm just lying in bed going like oh well hi just counting down the show's like let's say in 12 hours I'm like just count down for 13 hours I'll yeah. be done after that and you're you getting know? the shits as well yeah the whole I'm losing my mind I'm like, I'm like I'm an idiot why would I even do this you know what's the point who are these people what I have to entertain them do you remember that that day I don't think it was, I, I don't know if it was a specific day, but I remember when I got to do my first like bigger show and yeah. it was with Jim Bruski ah. uh, and they called it the BJ show, right? <laughs> ben and Jim. And that was, clever. yeah, Jim, Jim did about 25 minute spot and I did a 40, but mm. I was eight months in comedy. Oh my God. So I was really pulling out, yeah. the, you know, and trying to put it together. But I look back on it now and it's, it's like, horrendous but yeah. I, I I thought it was a great opportunity but that, of course. Really so that's a necessary step you have to yeah, get out of the comfort yeah. zone that's something a lot of times uh, comedians get used to a certain zone like they're used to the set or mm -hmm. you know I do 10 minutes every time I'm good I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about it mm -hmm. but when you only have like 25 minutes or 30 minutes of material and yeah. you have to do 40 you're like man I gotta get creative real fast yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and that pushes you once you hit that 40 and you're like wait I can do this hey you know yeah nothing's gonna scare me anymore give me an hour and let's see whatever happens with yeah. that right yeah because yeah. like I've seen you do like long shows and the one thing I, I respect in the sense of that you're calm on stage. Like sometimes as much as I might be like doing my show, but actually I'm freaking out in my head. I'm like, oh God, yeah. oh, what's the next bit? <laughs> yeah. So I have it. But you're like just, you know, okay, I'll take my time. No problem. Does that come translate because of your, the work you do, you do with like all these people? And so you're on stage, you're like, you guys are not even CEOs. Who the hell are you people? Well, no, not at all. I don't look at the audience like you're not relating to me on the same level. When I get in a comedy stage, I'm not a CEO. No, this I mean like the, the, the stress, the pressure, you're like, I mean, uh, I guess if you're dealing with a whole bunch of like top-level CEOs, you're like, okay, I better I bring it. But with an audience, you're like, eh, what are you going to do? You know, you can't fire me. I mean, me. I, I guess think it's yeah, my mindset, to be honest. Like, when I when I get up on stage, I'm, I'm thinking, well, everyone's here to have fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm nervous, I'll show it. And no one likes a nervous comic. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You can pull it off one, once or twice and make a joke about how nervous you are, but you can't do that for the whole show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, for me, I try and translate nerves into ex excitement. Yeah. Because the adrenaline hit that you get from being nervous is the same as excitement. Yeah. You mm -hmm. just have to funnel it in the right way yeah, yeah, yeah so when i get up there and that's why when i have a longer show i feel really at peace right yeah yeah because i don't have to think how do i you know mo's gonna shine the light yeah, and, yeah. you know at two and yeah. like get off yeah um, yeah here you're <laughs> like ah, i'll take my time yeah, i'll just yeah. take my time and yeah. everyone's here to have fun and i'll read the room and play the play the set and material and crowd work yeah. as i think it will work because right? i think that's the transition and progress and development i saw so initially when i first saw you on stage it was a lot of like the general uh Asian lifestyle yep. that kind of story yep. the mom and everything yep. and it was very often something that you would be like oh you know what I'm sure the next guy would probably have something similar story as well yep. Yep. so initially I was like not really too impressed I'm like okay he's doing the basic stuff the Russell yep. Peters kind of style yep. but over time I was like wait a second this guy's now 
getting a different footing. It's no longer he's just doing those kind of jokes that every new comic would do. Because mm, I was mm. like, well, he is a new comic, so mm, who am I mm. to judge him, right? Mm. And now you develop a style where, like I said, it's it's like a Ben Quinlan signature thing where I see you on stage and you're doing your stuff. It may not, in my opinion, be like the most original or creative if necessary, mm. but it's like that's that's a Ben Quinlan signature mm. show, mm. you know? And I think that's what's important. Did you have a moment when you realized, hey, this is this is my style? Or have you, have you found it? Or are you still looking for that Ben Quinlan signature style? Well, I, I know my style is just generally really bringing a certain kind of energy and persona on stage yeah but then the style is like what's your sense of humor yeah um for me i always try and push myself like there's a lot of stuff that i've maybe done once or twice yeah mm. uh, on stage and then said hmm should i bring that back but you know i'm gonna do, go to a show tonight and i'll probably do a, another 15 of material that people haven't seen mm. yeah but i know i can do it yeah, and yeah yeah for me it's just about pushing yourself it goes to your point yeah um I, I don't think anything's off limits. I don't think there's any kind of comedy that I can't do or shouldn't be able to try out. Mm. Um, I obviously don't have deadpan humor. I don't have other kinds of humor. I'm yeah. not the comical kind of, you know, the Super physical or, or yeah, yeah. something like that, yeah. Uh, for me, it's just about, I want the audience to, to hear the content of the material yeah. and then get it, right? Yeah. And in the classic style, this is good stand-up writing if you have to, relate it back to older style yeah, thoughts yeah, yeah, yeah. about what mm. comedy is right? yeah yeah okay okay so that was a process but then have you like okay so i don't want to dive too much into just comedy because mm -hmm. again like we've been doing yeah. comedy comedy coming all the time but i'm very curious to find like how has comedy in return affected the way you do business mm. like has it influenced the way you actually take your quinlanandassociates.com that's that's the website, right? Quinlan and, and Associates. And I just want to make sure. I'm like, yeah. I didn't refer to another website. I'm like, oh, that's a different brand. I'm sorry. That's not yeah. you. Oh, crap. There's another one. It's a real estate agent in Connecticut that works out of the shabby house. So yeah. when we released a report, it went all over Reddit. Look at these guys and where their offices. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is this firm? So where, what is their website? Quinlan we Associates. And oh, I was, so there's no end? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> all right, you're welcome, guys. <laughs> because the difference is that company is just the Associates of Quinlan. Yeah. This is Quinlan and the Associates. <laughs> See the difference there? <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, are we having, having shark's fin soup tonight? Hey. <laughs> so how has it influenced my corporate life? Yes. Uh, huge level of confidence. Um, understanding and reading people much, much better. Yeah. Um, I generally think that as a comedian, like comedians have generally have a very high EQ, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And thinking on the spot and being able to interpret what does that emotion mean? And I think it's the purest form of democracy in the world because yeah. it's live in real time. Yeah. If you can't pick up on those cues because communication you know there's seven percent that comes from what you say yeah. and then uh 30 something percent from how you say it about yeah. 55 is your body language yeah mm -hmm. right and that uh, being a good communicator is not just how you say it, it's reading the other way a lot mm. of people think good communicators are people who are just great speakers yeah i'm like not at all you, yeah. you have to pay attention to the audience and really read them well yeah uh, and i think that uh, being on stage in comedy really allows you to do that at a grand scale mm. and then when you take it into a boardroom you notice a lot of nuances that people have where you can pivot and direct the conversation mm. in a different direction and I think that's a really really good thing that I picked up from comedy uh, and you push that skill even further yeah uh, switching gears a bit and a very general question about you know your your line of work what yeah. is the what is the state of Hong Kong economy right now and where does it go I know it's a very Yep. General question, yep. but I'm intrigued about how you're thinking. Where, where, where are we heading? I think Hong Kong is extremely 
bifurcated. But when you talk about the economy, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> yeah, I, like, right? I gotta Google. It. I'm like, right. yeah, yeah. You're talking to two comedians, not <laughs> like, to uh, Right, right. So I think it's splintered in two different. <laughs> oh yeah, I know of, that word. Oh, you right. could have said that, man. That was <laughs> oh, this, sorry, this is such corporate talk, man. Yeah, I know. You can imagine the report. Right. Very douchey of him. So you feel the company splintered? Like we're not paying million dollars for that report. Trust me, I've been pressing right click on word and synonyms, and I'm like bifurcated. Way cooler than split. I love to go to like the wait, split or splintered? Uh, well, kind of mean the same. Man, kind of I'm gonna go to the hospital. By the way, he could have literally said divided. Bifurcated <laughs> 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 well, is specific to split, splinting off in two different I'm directions. I'm gonna totally go yeah, to the hospital. Yeah, into, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, in a, in any case, I love this. We we need to bust out a thesaurus, right? Uh, but in any way, I, I generally think that the whole economy is like on two track kind of speed. So. Yeah. You've got financial services, uh, digital economy, e-commerce, anything that benefits from the push to digital yes. is benefiting immensely. And then you have Main Street, yeah. which mm. is uh, the health and fitness coaches, yeah. the, uh, the freelance workers, the, the restaurants, the stand-up comedians. <laughs> mm. uh, it was um, the hotel industry as yeah. well, and mm. F&B slammed, right? And I yeah. have a lot of friends in that industry that got badly hurt. All the uh, analog personal well. stuff, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, you know, how, how do you view the economy? It's very very hard to view it in isolation because the the impact of covid hasn't been a general widespread depression of the economy mm. some people have <laughs> increased their wealth by insurmountable volumes right there's a lot of people that used all right to bet enough on with the big words by the way yeah, seriously. Have, have grown wealth a lot have more, <laughs> they have way more money Mo. so yeah, exactly. i'll it's lower this to whatever level volumes. you need it's like hey hold on man Can't i know people that many you know, money people make many money i know people for example that were were punting on cryptos mm, uh, yeah. back at the start of 2020 mm. and maybe people had a chuckle there was one thing have you heard of the cryptocurrency called dogecoin yeah right it's a joke <laughs> yeah but there are people that made several thousand percent return mm. on yeah. investing in this because they thought it was cute yeah so we're laughing at that and you've seen like obviously the wealthier have not been impacted by this mm. crisis all around the world they've yeah. gotten extremely wealthy i guess also if you have enough disposable income to put into a joke uh, uh, cryptocurrency in the first place you're already well off you're not you don't put up put in let's say five thousand us because it's half of your savings do you i know some people that have punted like that I really do. yeah wow. i've just gone you know what five grand us is not going to do anything for me now i may as well just throw it in there and, and you had let's say ten thousand in their in their savings yep yeah oh my god that's wow. a huge risk Oh, huge. But, I, yeah. and I, but I, that's where the disenfranchisement comes from. If you look at mm. what happens, uh, the, the big thing, if I'm looking back to an economic perspective, central banks around the world just pr press print on money. Yeah. Mm. They just printed, printed, printed trillions of dollars mm. uh, all around the world. They lowered interest rates. So the cost of money, the cost of cash... Uh, it's worth shit, yeah. right? Mm. Uh, you're not going to put it in the bank. Mm. And what happens? Like everyone talks about inflation, but general goods and services that we buy, I mm. haven't seen too much inflation, but it's asset inflation. It's property. Mm. It's collectibles. It's all these things that people, and this is the main challenge, like you want a roof over your head in this town? Forget it, yeah. right? Mm. And all that money eventually seeps down to the economy into assets because people want to own assets because mm. holding cash is worth nothing yeah it does i mean it doesn't grow basically right no. That's like with, with and, cash and, and if, if you look at fintech there are some kind of 
you know, more ethical considerations around, you know, there's new business models coming out like payday loans, buy now, pay later, everything now, 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 mm. buy, buy it now, get it now, yeah, get credit, it now, yeah, worry yeah. about it later. Mm. The credit boom has been phenomenal. And it's very easy to offer people credit when you're paying 0.3%, 1% interest. interest yeah. right. It's nothing. So people are like bringing forward their consumption putting that debt to a later date, but eventually the debt has to be paid. Yeah. Right. By whom? Because you get you get those ads in Hong Kong all over the place. It's super convenient to borrow money here. Like to the yeah, point I get the scam calls all the time. Oh, I mean, I'm not well, sure yeah. if they're a scam or not, but I get these calls all <laughs> yeah. the time. It was like, they, I, I, obviously, I don't speak any Cantonese. I always go like, hello. And they, they switch. Like they didn't know I'm a foreigner. Yeah. And then you always hear it for like two seconds and then they don't know what to say. And you go, Borrow money? I'm yeah. like, ah! <laughs> I'm like, yep. no! Yep. <laughs> yeah, see, because I think that's also the new mentality now is that the idea is that you're never going to be able to afford a house. You're never mm. going to be afford the stuff. So you must just enjoy life and worry about it later. Because that's what I'm finding a lot of times, like when I go to universities and let's say I'm a guest speaker or whatever, and I'm talking to them about their future and all that stuff. And mm. they're like, yeah, you know what? I don't really see a future for myself. I'm like, is that confidence issue? They're like, no, it's just I dream of a future. But I can't afford but it. But they're realistic, yeah. Yeah. Well, you think about it, right? So you go join one of the prestigious big four accounting firms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your starting salary as a graduate? I'm guessing eight thousand Hong Kong. Well, it's it's fifteen thousand. All right, I'm halfway there. They they, they conned me. Yeah. They totally conned me. <laughs> <laughs> but what are you going to do in Hong Kong with 15 grand? Yeah, I mean, if you live with your parents, that's not terrible. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, you can put away a lot of that money. But yeah, the, because you don't pay rent, which is for most expats is the biggest expense they have, right? Yeah, I, so I, you're forgetting Hong Kong parents, they have this thing called uh, ka yung, which mm-hmm. means basically like home money. Mm-hmm. It's like, you want to live with ah, us now? You're making money, you better stop paying me. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I so did you, not know that. Yeah, so you have that thing. So of course it goes by parent from parent, right? Some parents mm-hmm. are cool, like oh, a few thousand bucks. Some parents are like, oh, half your salary, please. Damn. Yeah, so yep. yeah. I mean, the idea is that now it's your turn to give back to the, to, to the family, right? Yeah. But anyway, but like you said, 15,000, even if you were like, pocketing all 15 mm. like even if we did the math and you mm. pocketed fifty thousand dollars just to get a proper apartment in hong kong you mm. got to spend zero dollars mm. every month mm-hmm. for i don't know how many years before you can even do the down payment let alone you know like have your own flat that's yeah. right and that and, and because that objective is now so far out of reach for the mm. next generation they've diverted to the digital universe mm. uh you guys have heard of nfts yeah yes. i've heard right. yeah. So, yeah and, and like, let me break it down for you these are basically digital art forms, collectibles, Mm. music, whatever it is, that you put it on the blockchain, and Mm. by virtue of that, it's one of a kind, Mm. and it becomes scarce. So I have challenges around conceptualizing this coming from the background and training that I do. You're more traditional, I would say. I I am, but I'm open to being changed. The bottom Mm. line is I know it's going to boom. It's here to stay. There's no question about Mm. it. Whether I agree with it is a different concept. You know, I used to collect basketball cards as a kid. I love that stuff. They're worth a fortune. But there was a concept of scarcity, Mm. right? Because they were a limited number. You had to get them in a certain condition. But now you're in the digital world. Digital copies of things are infinitely replicable at exactly the same quality. Yeah. Mm. So by virtue of ascribing this particular one is on a blockchain, Jack Dorsey's tweet, mm. and it's now worth over $2 million US dollars mm. for someone to say that, yeah. it's a bragging right. It's whatever. But you look at the way that this is evolving. Kids are buying digital land, digital art, digital everything. Yeah. Right. Like you're buying a digital plot of land. Yeah, it's a it, virtual thing you can't really... It exists on your phone, yeah. right? Mm. But there's huge amounts of value being ascribed to this because their view is, well, it's almost like they escape their reality, which is the virtual world, to go into this like yeah. escape land, which mm. is the real world. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's completely flipped. Yeah. Right? 
I mean, this also makes me makes me feel like a lot of comedians in Hong Kong and in the world also use it jokes as NFTs because they're super scarce. When they have right. punchlines, they're like, hey, yeah. one of these is going to be funny. Yeah. And when this guy's going to be worth $2 million, people. <laughs> but okay, coming back to the, like, the whole digital virtual world, mm. I think the new generation growing up in this world of virtual digital stuff, yep. it no longer, like, okay, so real simple. When you read books, right, there's a certain feeling of reading a paperback in your hand versus it. like a Kindle, mm. right? Yep. And I... I I've tried it. I've done the Kindle thing. I have an actual like hardware Kindle thing, mm. and I'm like, you know, I don't enjoy the book mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need that flip. I want to feel that I, I'm halfway there. This yep. is very telling of our age, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because well, I feel exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's what I find strange is because like the new generation does not have the same problem. Correct. Not because they don't have the same feelings, but because they were never brought up. That's mm. right. And that's why NFTs and everything make sense. They're like, yeah, why do I have to touch it? Yep. Why do I have to see it? Yep. Mm. And so that's why I find that people are buying into this concept of everything being virtual, crypto, this and that. Like, I don't need to touch the coin. I don't need to touch the notes. It's it's there. Mm-hmm. It's there. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always feel like, yeah, but this is at the end of the day, you need like the device to access the data. It's kind of like saying you have this brilliant idea on a floppy disk. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a drive to read it, you're mm-hmm. like, but that's pointless. It's there, but it's not there. Anyone under 25 is like, what's a floppy <laughs> disk? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So let, let's go back to something more, more, more up to date. CD ROM. Yeah. 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 Well, also, any yeah. new laptop now doesn't yeah. even have a CD ROM no, anymore. No, no, you no. don't. That's why yeah. whenever you buy like really crappy hardware and they give you a CD, you're like, this is shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is definitely, yeah. But that's that's the thing. Like digital is, is the, the pace of disruption is insane. Yeah. It's so fast. Yeah. Um, you look at the big companies, Kodak, right? It's mm. a number one market share in the world in mm. the camera space. Yeah. Went bankrupt. Gone. It, and then Blockbuster. Yeah. Right? You go hire the video out. Yeah. Nokia. Yeah. Blackberry. Yeah. Um, all of these business, MySpace, even when it started as the first yeah. social it, media it's platform. It's just falling like flies, by. basically. Yeah. And this is what happens. The speed of disruption, the speed of change. And yeah. this is why companies that don't adapt die yeah. super fast. And it's not like, oh, it's a slow 10-year death. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like you can go out of business in a year. Yeah. You'll be done. Wow. But would you say then that's what I mean? Like the future is all in the virtual space, not the physical space. People don't seem to respect that physicality. Like, for example, real simple. Mm. You tell a new generation person, come watch a live comedy show to a lot of people it's just like what's the difference like watching it online and live it's it's i don't see the difference i'm yeah. like you yeah. need to be there because to i've never it. felt that yeah. magic of being exactly. in the room right. close to the comedian yeah. yeah and also it's it's a common thing that my life is all about watching my screen so i'm happy with that level of engagement mm-hmm. versus reality so again uh, like when i talk to uh kids in university and mm-hmm. i'm talking about you know investments and everything basically just general chit chat i don't know much about this but they're actually more interested in making investments such as stocks and everything where mm-hmm. they can't touch it mm-hmm. it's in their mm-hmm. virtual bank account versus actually having like a car park space or a flat because yeah. to them they're like well that's easy I can get it now yep. I'd rather invest there and just you know live my parents for the rest of my life do you, do you see that trend in the new generation that everything physical is no longer important to them yeah, well, I think as well when you're stacking up the numbers, right? So, you heard, did you hear that uh, case of GameStop? Like, yes, oh, of yeah, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. So, yeah. it's like the whole Reddit community taking it and socking it to Wall Street. Right. Um, but, look, when people are seeing the, the millions that people are generating overnight, and social media perpetuates this, yes. because there are people that become very wealthy from making big bets, mm. or you can buy a car park and earn a yield of 1.5%. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. 
And there is a sense of brick and mortar safety that comes from having lived our lives and yeah. being the age we are. Mm. Uh, but that doesn't apply to the next gen, right? And that's why everything, cons it's all heavy consumption driven. Our generation, I don't know if, it, if you had the same experience, but if I wanted to buy something, it would be save up for it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. yeah. I've it's never, ever had credit card debt. I yeah. just automatically pay yeah, it off. It's like yeah. you use it as your debit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, use it for yeah, points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? I, I, I don't yeah, spend yeah. it unless I have it. I just yeah. use the credit card to get the points. Hey, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's but exactly I, what we do. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I remember there was just one incident. It's like Australians are obsessed with debt. Mm. Um, now, I was back in the, the gym uh, one day and I was in the sauna. It's, guys, it's not that kind of story. But there was, there <laughs> I'm was just this, like, why do we need this yeah, information? Yeah. Why did I have to actually give you the details? <laughs> yeah. I could have just said we were on the I street. I could imagine you had a big <laughs> conference while I'm at a sauna, but, everybody. <laughs> so I was in you the care sauna. About honesty, I was wearing okay. a towel. <laughs> and there was a guy who overheard my accent and he goes, oh, he's English. And he goes, oh, mate, you're Australian. And mm. I go, yeah. And he goes, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? And I go, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you go and buy a toaster and you pay it off over 10 years, right? And I, I kind of had a chuckle. And I went, yeah, you're kind of right. You know, yeah. he goes, just buy the fucking toaster. Yeah. Now, I remember when I went back to Australia, mm. I've got a couple of mates earning very good money. They're in senior positions. And I find out one and I said, do you want to go out and grab a drink? Oh, mate, can't. Uh, I bought a microwave, so I have no money. Yeah. And what? I go, you earn hundreds much, yeah. of thousands of Australian dollars a year mm. yeah. and you have no money because when I look at the consumption leverage to the max with the house bought the car on credit oh, uh, okay. everything is maxed out yeah. it's just a way of life yeah right, right. Yeah. so everything that is coming in is paying already for the for the loans 100 yeah. and because the property price keeps rising well i've got equity right that right I, I'm, I'm wealthier on paper yeah now yeah. asia has been slower to catch up but mm. you can see that trend is now starting to push here it was much and more hence the, the cause thing. of do you want to borrow money 100 yeah 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 yeah, uh, would you, would you, yeah go on, yeah, go on for it. no like because what i'm noticing as well like you said the trend is everybody feels that i'm never going to be able to pay it up anyway so i'm yep. to enjoy life now yep. Yep. do you feel that that is actually worldwide or just happening more like falling i mean honestly in in hong kong more and more kids that i know of are getting credit cards not because they can afford it because yep. it's this there and in university you see all the credit cards mm. you know going there trying to get people with credit cards it's also like a face thing of like oh i got a credit card look at you yeah you know, what did you get so would you find that that is a worldwide issue now i think it's a global phenomenon but there's just differences in how uh, acute it is between different countries so hong kong is at the maximum end of that scale yeah in terms of what i would say is that divorce between what i think i can achieve and do versus just the reality of a situation i just let everybody know you right think now. it's really extreme here. i think look i mean you know i i earn a good income mm. i'm i consider myself very comfortable, mm. but I look at what can I afford? Right. What can I afford? Even as right. someone that you would on paper say you're successful. Yeah. If I want to go out and buy a 1,200 square foot apartment, I've got to put my hand in my pocket for $30 million. Yeah. yeah. Right? And yeah, I'm like, I just don't have that cash on me. Yeah. yeah. And the bank won't lend me that. And if yeah. I want to upgrade my place, guess what? I have to sell my place because I can't own a second property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I'm not crying about it. Don't get me wrong. Right. But you're, yeah, you're using it for perspective as yeah, well. Perspective. Perspective. If you have yeah. to make that calculation, think of the person who's earning 15,000 Hong Kong dollars. I used to work in, in the investment banks with people earning a lot of money. Yeah. And they would rent. Because their view is, what can I buy? Right. And I remember one of them was there eight years, very successful. And she goes, I finally bought a place, 500 square foot, and I can live with my mom and dad. And I was thinking, 
that's what that's what you saved up for yeah. all this yeah. time. That's your goal. That, that was it. Yeah. Oh my God. That was sad to me. That so was... that actually brings me back to the final one key point with Hong Kong's economy. So initially with the protests and everything, the government was kind of blaming this on the fact that, you know, housing issues. You know, there's no mm. housing and everything. And sure, that is one of the issues why everyone's so upset. That definitely is because like when you talk to a lot of youngsters, their whole goal is like, what do you tell me to dream? Mm. Well, someone had said a really good quote where they said, well, I don't even have a bed to dream on. Mm. What do you tell me about chasing dreams for? Like, oh, I can't man, afford a bed. depressing. Right? When you think, I'm like, yeah. damn, that hurts. But it's true. Now, however, what I find is that because of that mentality, people are no longer even thinking about the housing issue and they're just accepted that as you said you know i've got my family square foot apartment and with my parents and that's the norm now that's mm. that's that's the goal that's mm. the dream mm. would you say that it's the lack of perspective because i mean let's be honest this is an issue in hong kong a lot if you went somewhere else you could probably get like a mansion for whatever money that was spending over a small flat over mm. here mm. would you find that do you think it will help if people get a perspective on the fact that is hong kong the place you want to be in versus you know because of the housing issues or do you feel that people just have this mentality because yeah that's what we are well i think a lot of people understand it but the the, the reality is it it basically seeps into every single part of the next generation's life because it's the instant gratification generation, yeah. right? You can binge on anything. You can mm. sit at home and just press a button and then food will be at your door. Yeah. I mean, th these are generations that don't have patience, like yeah. don't know how to wait. The marshmallow test will fail completely. Yeah, yeah. and look, I, I, <laughs> you, look I, I hire youngsters and, and new graduates uh, all the time and I think some of them are fantastic. There's no question. Mm. But there is a certain degree of impatience that has come through in generations because they're surrounded by it. It's yeah. impossible to escape you it. You get the right? answer online, bam, right now. There's no research. Yeah. There's this, oh, look, yeah. you, you were asking before the show about LinkedIn. Look at my LinkedIn profile. Right. Now, I guarantee you all of these young grads can go on, go on LinkedIn, and then guess what? The mm -hmm. optics are, look at all my friends who are founders, CEOs, right. startup, startup owners, right? Mm -hmm. There is an inherent pressure that's put in your face every single mm -hmm. day uh, around comparing yourself to other people, and it's very unhealthy. I think we're in like the most unhappy generation ever <laughs> despite the fact that the world in general is that it's the best time to live right right yeah, yeah. for convenience for age uh, expectancy as well for a lot of factors a lot of metrics yeah. say that we're actually at the best war time crime to live. poverty hell yeah. you name it the best time in human history to live right but probably the most unhappy right? <laughs> yeah which is ironic right yeah, yeah, you know what I'm unhappy about yeah patreon subscribe hey. to the patreon <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake it's five dollars yeah. Actually, on the Patreon, I want to talk to you about the exodus that is happening, whether it's among expats or companies in Hong Kong. Mm. The, the, I have been here for two years, and I can I can see it in a very short amount of time. A lot right. of companies, a lot of people who I talk to who were planning to just be here forever, mm. 20 years, 30 years, and now packing up and leaving. So mm. on the Patreon, I want to get your perspective on that. Why is that happening, especially for companies, and what does the fucked up politics for lack of better words uh, that are happening in Hong Kong for the last two years have to do with that so tune in for the Patreon um, thank you so much for coming on dude that, <laughs> no, was, that was awesome no problem no problem <laughs>